Hi, guys. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And we have an announcement. <clears throat> we are going to be coming out with some new merch soon. Fall merch. It's official and it's going to be so fucking cool. I'm so excited. I'm going to wear it all. We're not going to tell you what it is because we want it to be a surprise, but just know that it's coming soon. I'm going to wear it to bed. I'm going to wear it to work. I'm going to wear it to the store. I'm going to wear it to the studio. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could wear it to work. Unfortunately, I cannot. So, uh, spoiler alert, it's not business casual, (laughs) but it's going to be awesome. And it's comfy as fuck. Yeah, I'm just leave it at that. (laughs) So excited. So do you have anything you want to talk about outside of the merch before we get started? I'm trying to think. I don't have any new recommendations. I think I'm good. Do you have anything you want to talk about? I have a really embarrassing thing that happened to me before we started recording today. Oh my god, okay. All of a sudden, I see that I got a Venmo notification. And the Venmo notification is a comment from my nail tech what saying (laughs) did you forget your appointment today i oh my god are you kidding me she commented on a past tip that i sent her (laughs) saying hey did you forget your appointment today wait a minute like this was her only point of contact (laughs) yes with through menmo i'm surprised though that the owner didn't call me because he's called me before like saying oh you can come in earlier if you want type of thing you know what I mean oh my god so you definitely forgot yeah I commented back to her oh my god I had it written down in my planner as Thursday oh my god she commented on your bed yeah so she commented back can you come in next Thursday at six oh my god wait this I need to go look at this right now (laughs) so now we're in a full-blown conversation on my Venmo Oh my god, I think you should probably give her your cell phone number. (laughs) Probably. I don't think you can see it because I usually make the things to her private. When I got, I'm like, a Venmo notification with a comment. What is this? And I click it and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I've never not showed up for a nail appointment. She's like, hey, by the way, are you coming? She's like, I'm sitting here waiting for you. Your station's ready. Top. (laughs) Because I only go to her. That is so funny. I actually have a funny story as well that I just remembered that I think everyone will love. I don't even know if I told you. What? So last week, I think I get a call from Carson and he's like, you're never going to believe what just happened. I was like, what? He was like, I was sitting out on our, we have like a little like balcony porch type thing Mm -hmm. with Bix and he was eating and he's like, all of a sudden, I'm wet. Like, my body is wet. Oh, and I have no idea, like, what's happening. It takes me a minute to register what's going on. <laughs> the fucking dog in the apartment above us was peeing on him. What? <laughs> Through the fucking, like, floorboards <laughs> of the porch above us. Oh my god, that's so disgusting, but really funny. <laughs> he got peed on. Bix got my dog got peed on. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so he just started his day off with like a nice little golden shower. Um, was it a, he, was it a golden retriever giving him that golden shower? <laughs> no, actually, I don't know what it was. But he ran upstairs and talked to the lady and was like, 
Um, your dog peed on me and she he said she was mortified, put her head in her hands and was like, I am so sorry. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. She's like, I'll put pee da- pee pads down. I'm like, why would you put your dog out on the balcony for that long where he pees through the floorboards? <laughs> All right, so should we get into the coffee? Yeah, let's jump into that. All right, so again, we are reviewing another coffee from Barista Parlor. Last episode, we did their whole spiel of, you know, their shop, where they're located. Again, they're located in Nashville, Tennessee. But listen back to last episode where we talk more about them and their shops and where you can find them. I will give you their website, which is baristaparlor.com. So check them out. Yes, and their Instagram is also baristaparlor. Thank you so much for sending us another coffee to sample. We love it. We appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. So the coffee that we're reviewing today, and I'm going to try my best to pronounce this correctly, is Aquieres Estate. Wow, that was really good. Was it? I'm proud of you. Thank you. I listened four times to different people saying it, and I'm (laughs) like, I want to get this right. Yeah, that was really good. Thank you. This is located in Costa Rica, and this is from an actual farm. Wow. Yeah. The notes are raspberry jam, buttercream frosting, cara cara orange. I want to read a little bit more from their description online just because it describes a little bit of another taste that goes to it. It says this well-processed honey coffee has a sweetness like buttercream frosting with fruity flavors of raspberries, oranges, and fruit snacks. Yeah, to the fruit snacks. Yeah. So I liked that little insert there on their website. I thought that was important to add in. Yeah. And again, immediately I opened up the bag and was grinding up the coffee because it came in whole beans, which I love. And without even seeing, I don't have the bag in front of me. Brent and I split these up. And immediately when I smelled what I was grinding, I was like, there's some kind of berry in here. Yeah, it also says red honey on the bag. So I guess that's in reference to the processed honey coffee. Right. What are you thinking about the taste of this one, especially since we have some fruits involved? The fruit snack reference is so spot on. (laughs) Yes, for real. (laughs) Like, so spot on. I don't really get the honey sweetness, uh, the buttercream frosting. I I get a lot more of the raspberry and orange fruit snack type flavor. I'm not, like I said, a huge fan of a fruit coffee, but this is one of the ones that's better that I think that we have reviewed before. Agreed. I definitely like their last one better when it comes to the fruitiness. Yeah, But I'm not hating this coffee by any means. And I agree that I definitely taste the fruit over the honey or the buttercream notes to it. Yeah, and the fruit kind of stays on your tongue. It stays for a little while. It's like an aftertaste. I'm thinking it's on the smooth side as well. There's not the bitterness. What are you thinking you want to rate this one? I think this is probably what a medium roast is what it kind of tastes like. Mm Mm-hmm. compared to the last one I loved the last one so much so it's hard to compare I'm probably gonna give this one a 6.5 yeah I was gonna say definitely in comparison to the last one I'd probably also go with a 6.5 6.75 yeah I mean we just we aren't huge fruit coffee fans but and when we say that this is still better than the coffee that you're buying in a k-cup over at the grocery store you know 
A hundred percent. Or one of those big companies like Starbucks or Dunkin'. I'm not hating on them, but this is just a different breed. Yeah. So should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so grab your coffee and have a morning with us. So this case was suggested by listener Alyssa. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have shouted out Alyssa before with other episodes. She just keeps sending them in. My sister goes, who's the one that sends all of the case suggestions? And I was like, Alyssa or Ashley? (laughs) (laughs) Mostly. We have other people in there as well. But I feel like because they send so much, we have to mix them in more frequently. Yeah, yeah. But it's much appreciated. We love it so much. Just like I said with our coffee... We are going to try our absolute best with these pronunciations for this episode. We do have pronunciations written down. It's just a matter of how we say them. We are trying with the utmost respect, and we hope we do well. (laughs) We really do put time into researching them. It's not like we're just going off of what it looks like, so Mm -hmm. just bear with us on that. Yeah. So the case that we're going to talk about today is that of Annie Leung Wai Mun. Annie Leung Wai Mun was 30 years old at the time of this story. She was the wife of Anthony Lur Wee Tiang, a.k.a. Anthony Lur. That's what we're kind of going to refer to him as throughout the entire thing. Annie was an insurance agent, but Wiki had mentioned that she was a real estate agent, In most articles, it did say insurance, though. So I don't know if she dabbled in both or went from one to the other or if there was just a miscommunication there. Mm -hmm. She had a daughter with Anthony Lur and named her Ablin Lur Long Xiao. She was born April 13th, 1997. And this story took place in Singapore. And I just want to add in, I'm really upset that we couldn't find more information about Annie. It's kind of just how the media coverage went with this one as it does with most cases. Yeah, and no joke, I'm not exaggerating. I spent about 45 minutes to an hour straight up just trying to find information on her. And what we just said was pretty much it. It's really sad, but it is what it is. And it's we we tried to find more. Mm-hmm. Anthony Lur, this case has way too much info on him. Obviously, like Kelsey just said, not enough media coverage on Annie, which absolutely sucks. So we aren't going to dive into his background other than minimal details that, as we've mentioned in other episodes, sometimes we have to mention if they're points that make sense with what we're trying to get across about this person. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1967 and his parents divorced young. He dropped out of school because his father refused to continue paying, which is actually really sad. Yeah, that is really horrible. He went into the military and then developed businesses. And all of these businesses, which we'll get into some of them, ended in bankruptcy and failure. Wow. Which, looking at it before you know who he is, you're like, that's really sad. But looking at it after, you're like um a big fuck you and that's right like that's what you that's the least you deserve yeah he then became a graphic designer and met annie so getting into annie and lur's relationship lur met annie when he was 19 and annie was only 15 years old at the time 
They met at church and began their relationship later on. Not really sure how much later, but I hope it was at least until she was of legal age. But yeah, uh, happened later on. They were together for about five years before marrying in 1995. Annie quit her job at a bank to help Lur set up one of his business ventures at the time. So now on to the downfall of their relationship. Lur had an affair with a woman named Belinda Howe Wei Lin, and Lur and Belinda met in 1997 when she was working at a pub as a waitress. He eventually allowed Belinda to move in with him and his wife in their flat with their daughter. I'm just so confused about that whole situation and like how horrible she must have felt. He's seriously just a scumbag. So fucked up. And I hate to use that word, but that's literally what he is. Yeah. The affair caused financial problems and eventually ended three and a half years later. So this wasn't just like a one-time thing. Like this was a three and a half year relationship. In which the woman was living with them for part of it. Horrible. The affair was the main reason that Annie wanted to leave him. So Lur then had another affair with a woman named Marilyn Tan Su Fen in October of 2000. So literally a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Annie was also struggling to keep their finances in order. All of Lur's failed business attempts put them into debt. And I read somewhere that at some point it racked up to like $100,000 of debt. Holy shit. So not only was this poor woman dealing with him having affairs, but he was literally just going on these business ventures, failing, racking up their debt. And then she's having to deal with just the fallout of all of it. It's horrifying. He also gambled often with the money that they did have. So he was like taking what's ever left and just throwing it away. After their daughter had been born, Annie started working again in order to pay off some of their debt. Oh my God, this poor woman. I know, like just emotional turmoil that she had to go through. And then he's just spending that. Yeah. October of 1999, Annie took her then four-year-old daughter and went to live with her mother. Housing board flat is where she was living at the time of this story. In August 2000, Lur almost became bankrupt because of the failed businesses, and he attempted suicide by overdosing on sleeping pills. He was hospitalized for the suicide attempt, but did not die from it. Annie then returned to Lur to, quote, help him get back on his feet. This woman is an angel. She's literally such a good human being. And then she left him again and filed for divorce in February of 2001. The fact that she even went back to him is just, I don't even know how she had this. She's so strong. And I had read in one of the articles that when she went back, she had no intention of getting back together with him. Mm-hmm. It was just to kind of help him and make sure he was okay and in a good frame of mind before she was to leave again. But obviously, he probably had a completely different perspective on that. Right. It was the father of her daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. He, she yeah, was trying and, to help him. Yeah, and no matter what, I'm sure she didn't want him to take his life. Right. So... She's just a good freaking human. Yeah. From here, Lur became very desperate. He knew he wouldn't gain custody of his daughter because of his financial situation. At this time, the flat that Lur and Annie owned together was pending sale. So keep that in mind for later. 
Lur met a group of teenagers in February 2001 outside of a McDonald's restaurant at Block 444 Passer Rice Drive 6. This was a group of five teen boys. I want to point out here, though, that later on we mentioned some age ranges, and there is one boy that's noted as being 22. Mm-hmm. It made it seem like he was one of these boys. So I don't know if he was a teen at the time he met him or if they just referred to them as a collective as teens when really one of them wasn't. I just right. wanted they to point that out. Grouped them all together. Yeah. yeah. Over a period of time, Lur befriended them, which I also find odd in itself because this is a grown man befriending 15, 16-year-olds. Right, you just hanging out whatever your high school hangout was. For us, it was usually like sheets. Yeah. And this random middle-aged man just trying to be friends with you. That's so fucking weird. That makes me want to vomit. Yeah, that's... I mean, he had his own underlying reasons for it, but it almost seemed to like he was grooming them in a way or just... I don't know if he was a pedophile or if he was just using them because he knew they were impressionable. You know what I mean? Right, right. Either way, not a good situation. Yeah. So he would bring his dog with him for the teens to see, which is also fucking creepy. Yeah. Lur acted as the boy's mentor and eventually asked if they have ever been dared to kill someone. At that point, come on. Yeah, that's not a normal conversation to have, especially with children half your age. Mm -hmm. None of them took him seriously at first. I feel like I could see that. Especially at that age, being like, okay, this guy's a weirdo. Like, that was kind of weird of him to say. But one teen asked how much he was willing to pay, and Lur told him to name his price. 15-year-old boy that knew Lur for five years said one million. A 16-year-old named Gavin Ng Jin Wei said a hundred thousand. Sia Zihao said $100, and other teens said unknown prices, but they were all kind of just like, oh, I would I would do it for this much. And You hear that, and you're like, I don't know anyone that would take that seriously. I feel like all these boys were just throwing out numbers as like a joke. Yeah, that's exactly what I, what I felt about that as well. Mm-hmm. Lur said he would match Gavin's price at $100,000. He dared all the boys to murder his ex-wife because he said he was kept from seeing his daughter frequently. A, you're a fucking sicko. B, you're a coward for hiding behind a group of five teenagers. Mm-hmm. It, the whole thing is just so fucked up. It, the whole thing is completely irrational. Yeah. Every little piece of it is just... The mind of someone who's clearly clearly has something mentally wrong. Mm-hmm. The teens thought he was joking up until the point of the money offer and or when he was persistent about the matter because they said he just kept bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. So obviously it finally got to the point where they were probably like, okay, this guy's not fucking joking. Sia Zihao, which was one of the boys, began talking to Lur about the hit. Allegedly, at first, Lur had asked Sia to find a professional hitman to carry out the job. So he wasn't directly asking him to do it. He was like, oh, can you find me a hitman? And Sia was unsuccessful with doing this, most likely, probably because he was like, 
I'm not actually going to do this. Or the fact that he was fucking a teenager. Right. How would a little boy know where to find a hitman? Right. Eventually, Lur approached Gavin Ng Jinwei and another teen. Some articles say this second teen was a 15-year-old, which later on we will get into more about that 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. But these two boys had been friends for 11 years, and they were also the youngest of the group. Remember earlier we had mentioned that the 15-year-old had known Lur for a good amount of time and was kind of the one who introduced him to all the other kids. Right. So May 9, 2001, he hired them to kill Annie. This is a quote from Medium.com. Quote, He instructed Gavin to buy gloves to wear in order to avoid leaving fingerprints at the scene. He also instructed him to come up from behind his wife to slit her throat. Oh my god. Finally, he suggested that Gavin steal her wallet to make the killing look like a robbery. End quote. The fact that I I just can't wrap my head around this. Clearly, he was premeditating this entire thing down to the specific details. Of how to cover it up, right? Yeah. Gavin even then proceeded to, quote, practice with Lur at his flat. Lur would have Gavin cut into newspaper with a Japanese knife. That is so disturbing. (sighs) I'm just, like, speechless over this. Gavin had later told authorities, quote, he told me the skin of the neck was as thin as a newspaper. And that was a quote from medium.com. So sick. I feel like my stomach churning. I can't even see this going down, let alone him saying that kind of stuff. It's just horrible. And he's so nonchalant about it, number one. Number two, how would he know that? Right. How would he know that that would be the same as that? I don't. Was he looking this stuff up? Was he researching all these details? Yeah, I don't, I don't, or maybe like he was making it seem to this teenager like, oh, it would be easy, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Allegedly, Gavin had tried calling his friend to warn him about the situation, but couldn't get in touch with him. May 16th, 2001, Gavin finally spoke to his friend in which he told Gavin that a crime had been committed. He said he had done a, quote, very foolish thing. Now, let's rewind to a few days earlier. So, May 14th, 2001. This 15-year-old's name was not released due to his age. Court documents and the media referred to him as, quote-unquote, Z, the letter Z. On this day, he rode a bus with Lur to Annie's flat in Hugang, Singapore. The teen had a knife tucked in his pants. Lur then left and communicated with the Z over the phone. He told him to wait until Annie went into the building. He was then instructed to take the stairs to the fourth floor. Lur then had Annie go back inside. He had devised a ploy where she met him in the playground nearby to sign mortgage papers. He really had all of this planned out. It's, It's so sickening how how much detail went into this to the point where he was literally orchestrating this all from his phone, texting this kid and then meeting her outside. It's it's, it's so sickening. She went outside to sign the mortgage papers. And then around 11 PM, 
Once she was there, he told Annie he forgot a pen and asked her to go back into her flat to grab one. Their daughter remained with Lur on the playground while Annie went to get a pen. My whole heart is just, like, breaking over this situation. He is one evil, evil man. Evil. There is a trigger warning here of some graphic details. So if you don't want to listen to this part, you might want to skip ahead about 10 to 15 seconds or so. When Annie got off the elevator on the fourth floor, the teen was waiting. He came up behind her and covered her mouth with a red cloth. He then slit her throat. Z then stabbed her in the neck, chest, and back. Oh my god. Annie stumbled, knocked on her mom's door, because remember, she was right there, and said that she had been stabbed before she collapsed. The teen then took the stairs back down to avoid being seen in the elevator by anyone. It's honestly disturbing how every single little detail, he was told what to do. It was thought out, and you could tell it wasn't his plan. Right. The knife was disposed of on his way home, and around 1 a.m., a few hours after being stabbed, Annie died in Tan Tok Sung Hospital. Lur attended her wake the following day. Oh my god. I don't see, I mean, obviously, he if he wanted to keep up this presentation of not being involved, he had to be there, mm-hmm. but I don't see how someone could go through this plan all this out, and then be at the funeral the very next day. That's just, my mind cannot comprehend the just pure evilness of that. It just doesn't make sense to me. I just, uh, I'm like literally speechless. I don't even know what to say about this. I know. You can't formulate the accurate words of how horrifying this actually is. Yeah. So moving on to the investigation, there was a torn piece of newspaper found by Annie's body. And obviously, as the estranged husband, Lur was investigated. Not only was he investigated because he was the estranged husband, but police found him suspicious from the start. He was questioned at the hospital while Annie was there and was described as, quote, hostile and uncooperative. Well, real fucking subtle. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, he has all this devised, but he can't even act. Like, he didn't plan that part out, you know what I mean? Either that or he can't hide it properly. Right. Like, I feel like this is where it started to fall apart. There was a newspaper then found in Lur's home that was a perfect match to the one found laying by Annie. Which I wonder if that was... I wonder how that got there or why. Right. Right. Was it still attached somehow to the knife the kid brought was it did the kid purposely leave it there to kind of plant the trail how did it get there i don't understand the correlation there detectives also discovered conversations on his home computer and these were between him and the teen who murdered annie a couple days after the murder Forensic experts were able to access deleted messages on the computer, and Lur had been paranoid that his place had been bugged by police. So apparently he had the teen type on the computer and then erased it. What? Which is so fucking weird. 
That's he was kind of, ha- I guess he was in the room with him and having the teen type stuff to him, kind of like in conversation and then erasing it. That's so weird. Yeah. One read, quote, payment might have to wait. Wow. So he probably wanted to see if he did these weird little comments, if police would comment on it mm-hmm. to see if his apartment was actually bugged or not. But what a stupid fucking idea. Right. I don't understand. That's so fucking dumb. No. Lur was then arrested at his Passer Rice home. According to the 15-year-old, and this is all a quote from Medium.com, quote, the teen claimed Lur prepared him for the murder with a list of to-dos and don'ts. Don't show your face. Use a proper weapon. Don't leave fingerprints. Don't get injured. Don't leave any cigarette butts at the scene. Destroy all evidence and act normally to avoid suspicion. Ew. Fucking gross. But do leave a newspaper clipping. Right. Like, what is that? I cannot. This is just so disturbing to me. I mean, obviously, every case we cover is disturbing. But the fact that he went into. uh, This is just mind blowing to me. And he manipulated a kid to do this. Yeah. Lur had showed him how to stab her in the neck. And he also said that Lur told him that he had tried committing the murder himself but couldn't go through with it because their daughter was there, which is the biggest fucking, biggest cop-out. Such a lie. He definitely never wanted to do that on his own. He didn't want to put himself as being there. He wanted a cover. Yeah, exactly. He wanted somebody to do it for him. Lur confessed to the police about a few things. Being a fucking horrendous husband was one of them. Mm -hmm, Top of the list. Yep. Having an affair. He actually had multiple. And gambling their money. But he still insisted that they loved each other. He said the, quote, hit was a joke and that he didn't think any of the teens would go through with it. Oh, my God. He said he just wanted to be a role model and mentor to them, which was his excuse for being around them so often. What fucking role model tells a group of teenagers to murder his wife? Right. Even as a, quote, unquote, joke. Why would you say it multiple times when clearly it's not fucking funny? Right. And to the point where the teens at first think it's a joke and then are like, no, this guy's serious. Clearly, that's why you're saying this over and over to them because you're not, it's not a joke. You actually want them to do this. Mm -hmm. He also basically said that he was trying to call their bluff and it was a, quote, challenge of guts, which is just another excuse. Yeah, in the one article I had read about that, that challenge of guts thing was basically, like, he would say to them, oh, you're not brave enough to do this, like, completely manipulating them and trying to brainwash them, obviously, into doing it. Mm-hmm. And the challenge of guts, his for his reasoning, was, oh, I was going to say it until they copped out and proved they wouldn't do it. That makes absolutely no sense. <sighs> so... This is the teen's written confession via the Straits Times. Quote, I got to know Anthony Lur when I was about the age of 10. I used to bring my hamster down to the stone chairs and play with it. Anthony had a dog, so that was roughly how I got to know him. Anthony shifted away from block 109 
Passer Rice Street 11. So I lost contact with him. But he did not tell me that he was going to shift to block 116 Passer Rice Street 11. It was only recently I found out that he had shifted to block 116. Then I, I saw him almost every night when I went down to the coffee shop or McDonald's. He met my friends Gavin, Vic, Kashyong, and Zai Hao. At first, my friends did not like his company, but after some time, they accepted him. He started telling us about his wife and even asked us if we would like to kill her. In return, he would give us a sum of $100,000. All of us rejected, but later on, he came and asked me to do it. He told me that nothing would happen to me and asked me to imagine that I'm getting paid about $2,000 or more per month for the next four years. Anthony told me that nothing would happen to me if I went according to his plan. He said he th had thought and planned this whole thing out for a very long time. He threatened to kill me if I didn't want to do it after knowing so many things about him. I believed him and agreed to help him because he told me that he killed for a living and until now he did not get caught. He also mentioned that his graphic design job was just a cover up. After that, he gave me $100 to get two M cards so that he could contact me without people knowing. Then he told me to get a knife, a sharp pointed one. After he told me that, I went to a handphone kiosk at Passer Rice Drive 6 to get two SIM cards. Then I got a knife from the hardware shop beside the kiosk. Then I met him at the bus stop across the road so that he could show me the place where his wife lives. He brought me to block 923 Hugang Avenue 9. After that, we went back to his place. There he taught me how to murder his wife. He told me to practice it so that when the time comes, I would not be scared. What the fuck? This, like we said, this is just so planned out and this kid was so manipulated she's so repetitive but like i can't get over it mm -hmm. on may 13th 2001 anthony told me that before he went to mcdonald's he had gone to meet his wife and to see his daughter he also said that during that time he had tried to kill his wife but did not have the chance because his daughter was around i was quite happy when i heard this because i did not want to do this i was forced to do it I followed Anthony back to his house because he asked me to practice how to kill his wife. On May 14th, about 9 p.m. plus, I went to Anthony's house to practice some more because he kept calling me on my handphone. At Anthony's house, after practicing, he wrapped the knife in newspaper and passed it to me. I tucked the knife in my jeans. We took a bus over to his wife's place. After alighting from the bus, we went our separate ways. I went to his wife's boy deck while he went into a nearby coffee shop. After that, he called me on the handphone and told me to wait for his wife to return home. So I waited. At 10 p.m. plus, he called me to say that his wife has returned home already, and he asked me to wait for his wife on the fifth story. I did not kill her because their daughter was with her at the time. I then called Anthony to tell him I did not want to do it because his daughter was present. 
He told me that his wife would be going up alone and asked me to take the chance. I attacked her from behind. I slashed her neck and stabbed her in the chest. After that, I ran down the stairs and walked to the bus stop where I took a cab to dispose the weapon. On the way to the beach to dispose the knife, I really regretted doing it, even at this point of time while writing this. How I wish that I'd never known Anthony. I have let my parents down and all those around me. I do not know how people th would think of me. I feel very lost and confused. Anthony did not call me on my handphone until the morning of May 17th, 2001. He asked me to get the newspaper for him and lunch. Oh my god. Like, what? That's what he says the first time he calls him after he convinced this kid to murder his wife. Do this horrible thing. Anthony told me the police had looked for him and he would pass me some of the money later on. Anthony told me I had done a good job. I'm going to throw up. This is so sickening. That was really hard to read. And he ends it with, Anthony told me that I had done a good job. That's so disgusting. I can't even, I can't comprehend. Z had also stated at some point that after two failed murder attempts, Lur threatened to kill him if he did not go through with it. He had also allegedly threatened to kill the boy's parents and two siblings. So this kid in his mind had no choice. Right. Which obviously, obviously, it's awful that he went through and did this. Right. But clearly, yeah, like you just stated, he felt like he had no choice and was manipulated into the situation. He was like, a, he was a child. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the trial, Lur put forward what could only be described as disgusting behavior at the trial. He was apparently carefree, quote-unquote jovial, calm, and frequently smiled. Oh my god. I can't. The moments where he was trying to seem like a devastated husband were clearly an awful act because he would try to look really distraught and cry what they literally described as quote-unquote crocodile tears. But it was really obvious that it was fake. Because when a news camera would focus on him, he would grin at them. There's literally pictures of him in the courtroom just smiling, laughing. Yeah, and walking outside just smiling. Yeah. Lur denied wanting the hit to be carried out. And he said he was innocent of her murder. He also said he was being framed. I don't understand how you can say all this with a smile on your face. Regardless of, you know, obviously knowing what he did, even if he was claiming to be framed, and why would you be smiling at your, your wife's death? Right. And his smile is so... You could tell he has zero remorse. It's yeah. so sociopathic and just attention-seeking, and he he almost looks, like, proud. Right. He also denied the motives that were thought to be behind it. The prosecution claimed these motives were gaining full custody of their daughter and owning the flat, and the flat was worth $480,000. Wow. Both mistresses came forward with information against Lur during the trial. 
The first one said their relationship was physically violent on multiple occasions. And remember, this woman was the one who was living with them yeah. at, well, at some point. She also said she had received death threats from Lur. Apparently, Lur had even said to her at some point that he wouldn't hesitate in killing his wife if she ever tried to take their daughter. Oh, my God. The second mistress said that at some point in their relationship, she had mentioned taking her own life. And allegedly, like, when she said this, Lur asked if she could kill his wife first. Are you fucking kidding me? I literally feel like I'm going to throw up. I, it's so disgusting. My eyes are, like, watering because not only do you have zero remorse or concern about this woman that you are supposed to care about taking her life, but you're like, oh, can you kill my wife before you do? I don't understand how somebody could be so disgusting. All testifying at trial were also Vickness Warren, Krishan, who was 17, Sia Zihau, who was 22. That's the one that they mentioned was 22. Mm-hmm. Gavin Ng Jinwei, who was 16, and Kong Ka Chiang, who was 19. And those were all, I think, the boys that he had been speaking with. Right. The teen was said to have allegedly shown no emotion when accused of murder. Playing the devil's advocate, this could have been for so many reasons. You know, this kid was manipulated. He had probably been traumatized by what happened. I just I can't comment on that. May 19th, 2001, Lur was charged in court with abetting. He was sentenced to death. March 2002, his appeal was rejected. And then December 13th, 2002, he was hanged at 6 a.m. in Changi Prison. Z was charged with murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Due to his age, he could not receive the death penalty. So not only did he ruin his own life, he also ruined his wife's life, and he ruined this kid's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying and, that this kid is innocent. Like, he obviously committed the murder, but it's horrible. Right. Like, this kid also ruined his own life. Yeah. And Annie's life. But he was manipulated. According to him, he was manipulated and threatened into that and was probably terrified. Like, we had established he felt like he had no choice. But, oh my god, I just wish things went so many different ways here. Me too. On to the aftermath. November 2nd, 2018. The teen was released from jail. He was now 32 years old and had served 17 years of his sentence. This is a quote from medium.com. Quote, based on good behavior and a belief of reformation, his 17 years already served in prison were considered a completed sentence due to his circumstances at the time the crime was committed. I honestly, I'm, I feel like I can't comment on the sentence being so short-lived at 17 years because mm-hmm. realistically, my opinion does not matter in this situation. It's how the family feels, you know, and, right. and how Annie would have felt. So I feel like I can't even comment on that. Right. I just really hope and pray that this now grown man 
really has reformed and will be a better member of society and will never commit a crime like this again and truly, truly feels and knows that he has to live with this, hopefully in his eyes, mistake, even though this, it really can't even be called a mistake because this is way more than that. Right. I just really hope that he is on the path of rehabilitation into society and actually stays a good person. Right. The judge said the teen was manipulated by Lur. It said that Z had deep regret for what he did, which I'm sure played into his sentence being 17 years. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrist Dr. Lim Yun Chin also stated that Z was remorseful. Lim had also testified during the original trial, and this is a quote from Wikipedia, quote, that the boy's IQ of 93 made him prone to adult manipulation and confirming to the court that Z did not have any abnormality of mind. Hmm. So he's basically clarifying that he wasn't the one who was sick in the head. He was just manipulated. Quote, I don't know why I said that. I can't read it. (laughs) (laughs) Should I leave that in or no? Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when we record back to back. Oh, okay. Cool. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did I even see that? <laughs> I can't. The end of the sentence. Oh, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> there were conditions that came along with his release. He would have to have a curfew, and his electronics were to be monitored. He would have continued support for his rehabilitation. It was unclear if these conditions were permanent or how long they were to last, but that was what his release was conditioned on. A gag order still remains in effect to conceal his identity. So a teeny tiny bit of something happy. Annie's mom, Chin Choi Ling, along with other family members, raised Annie's daughter, Ablin. A friend of the family said that Chin was able to move forward without bitterness, leaning on her Christian beliefs for support. Thank God she was able to move forward with this. You never move on or forget about something like this, but for her to be able to then go ahead and live a life and raise Annie's daughter. I, oh my God, I just, I feel so much for her family and I'm sending so much love out to them because it, this whole entire case is just absolutely heartbreaking and it's just so mind blowing. Each time I'm like, how do people do this to other people? Like this all could have just been avoided if this person wasn't so fucking sick and evil. And manipulative and all the above. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something that can't be comprehended because we aren't the type of people that would do something like this, so... It's just heartbreaking. I just hope that Annie's mom is able to move on and and live a normal, somewhat normal life and be with her daughter and have that remembrance of Annie through her daughter. Agreed. And it's sad that her daughter was only like four years old when this happened. So she didn't even get to really grow up like knowing her mom. Like I hope she has some form of memory of her. Yeah, agreed. All right. With that being said, that is the end of today's case. Is there anything you wanted to add on? Any other any other things? 
No, just get pumped for some new merch. I hope everyone loves it. I'm fucking pumped. I'm pumped. I'm I gonna can't wear wait it. to wear that shit for the whole entire fall. <laughs> and winter. <laughs> and winter. Uh, all right. So without further ado, I'm going to get into the spiel. Go You can find us on our Facebook at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources for every case and photos for every case. And then you can also find us on our Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. The link in our bio is our link tree, and that's where all of our podcasting and listening platforms are. And then we also post weekly pictures and reviews of coffee. If you want to give us a case suggestion like this one or a listener story, you can either reach out on Instagram at Crime Colts and Coffee, or you can send us an email at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. We will get to all of them. Even if it's like a year from now, we'll get to yours. We promise. We haven't had some listener stories in a while, so send those over. We, we fucking love them. those. I we love them, them so much. I know. I miss re- I miss reading them or even having people on to read them. So mm-hmm. start start that process again, peoples. Mm-hmm. If you want to also leave us a nice rating and review, it really helps our podcast out. That's literally what you can do to show you love us and want us to continue doing this. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on any other listening platform, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook